listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We, we came with them really hard when we were in Arizona last week, and I think we want to do the same thing. Obviously, we know they're going to want to come in and, and not take us lightly, obviously, because of what happened last week. But I think we'll be ready. I think we're feeling good about our game, feeling confident. So uh, it'll be a good one today. The Calgary Flames are set to kick off a six-game homestand Tuesday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. And first up, a rematch from last week against the Arizona Coyotes, a team that Connor Zeri says the team uh, is well aware will be looking for revenge after a dominating defeat at Mullet Arena. Welcome into Sportsnet today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in a slightly warmer Calgary, Alberta. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, it is a Calgary Flames game day. The first of six at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Welcoming in the Arizona Coyotes. Flames dominated them at Mullet Arena on the dad's trip. And now the Coyotes... We'll look to bounce ahead of the Calgary Flames in the race for a Western Conference wildcard spot. Big implications on the standings in this matchup. We will dive into it for you to kick off the program. Here live from the locker room, Ryan Huska, Connor Zeri, and Noah Hannafin on a game day. 6 o'clock Flames warm up with the one and only Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Nicholson here on your home of Flames Hockey Sportsnet 960. The fan. Of course, we will be focused in on the Flames and the Coyotes, but also on the program today. UFC 297 coming up in Toronto this weekend. Very excited to have Brad Katona joining us. One of nine Canadian fighters on the card. He'll join us at 1.30 to look ahead at his matchup at UFC 297 in Toronto. And yesterday, the Calgary Stampeders announcing... A major re-signing on their defense. Cam Judge signing an extension with the red and white. The linebacker will join us to kick off hour two to talk about uh, staying in Calgary. Him and Micah Alway forming one of the best linebacker duos in the entire CFL last season. And the Stamps locking up a major part of their defense going forward. Looking forward to talking to Cam Judge in hour two. Quick reminder, if you're listening live, the fan feedback line is always open to you at 960-960. Would love to hear from you on a Flames game day. Anything that you want to talk about, you can send us a text. My outstanding producers on this Tuesday are Cam and Shan. Uh, We're kicking things off with news from the Calgary Flames on this game day against the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, Dan Vladar will get the start in goal as the team announced Jacob Markstrom is day-to-day with a lower body injury. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska coming up in just moments with the uh, latest on his starting goaltender, but um, that means Dustin Wolf has been recalled from the American Hockey League's Calgary Wranglers. But he'll be working the gate tonight as Dan Vladar gets the start for the uh, now sidelined Jacob Markstrom. And it's too bad, Jacob. We talked about him yesterday. Red hot for the Calgary Flames, really regaining that Vesna form we saw from him 
two seasons ago, and eyebrows were raised Monday at practice when Jacob left early, did not return to practice. We heard from the head coach, thinking, yeah, it's just maintenance. Trying to keep Jacob as fresh as possible has been a major point for the Calgary Flames this season and uh, turns out just not responding um, to a lower body injury quite how they'd hoped. So they're just being extra cautious knowing that they have three NHL-capable goaltenders in the system. So Jacob Markstrom day-to-day with a lower body injury. Dan Vladar gets the start. Dustin Wolf will back him up again. We'll hear from head coach Ryan Huska with the latest on Jacob Markstrom coming up in just moments. It will be Connor Ingram getting the start in goal for the Arizona Coyotes. Not much of a surprise there. Um, Carl Vimelka did not handle the Flames well last time out at Mullet Arena. Flames would chase him and see Connor Ingram for the remainder of that game in Mullet Arena, but uh, the Coyotes going with the better of their two goaltenders tonight. Ingram coming off. Ingram and the Coyotes, I should say, coming off a big 6-0 win their last time out. And as we sit here today on this Tuesday, the Coyotes sit one point back of the Calgary Flames in the standings in the Western Conference as we look at the wild card race. Arizona does have two fewer games played than the Calgary Flames, both teams chasing the Edmonton Oilers, who have won 10 straight They have 47 points in 39 games, so the Oilers maintaining games in hand on both Calgary and Arizona in this race. And in between Calgary and the Oilers still sit the Seattle Kraken at 47 points as well. So still some work for both of these teams. And for Arizona, you know the opportunity to get two points back on the Calgary Flames in the standings. going to be key for them after that loss last week at home. Let's give you the latest from the locker room. As we always do here on Sportsnet today, we bring you the absolute latest from the Calgary Flames. We'll start with head coach Ryan Huska. Of course, lots on goaltender Jacob Markstrom in the latest as the Flames will start Dan Vladar to kick off this six-game homestand that starts tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome. We saw with uh, Markstrom out with a lower body injury, is there a timetable on when he might be back? No timetable. We're not expecting it to be anything long-term, So, but no timetable, yeah. He just didn't uh, respond the way... You know, we or he would have hoped yesterday. Is this something that happened during practice? We saw him come off early. Yeah, I'm, he could have been for sure. I mean, he just he, he's at a position now where we're not going to force him into things if he's not feeling 100. percent You talked yesterday when I asked about the you know quote unquote slow starts, and you said you know the numbers didn't always tell the whole story. Yeah. With Huberto and Manjapani, they were sort of flipped in the lineup a little bit, and they yeah. both really come alive, at least on the stat sheet. Is that does that tell the story, or are they playing better? They're they're playing better for sure. I, I think there's with uh, Andrew first. There's that line for whatever reason. Every time they're together, they're one of the more dangerous lines, I guess, chance wise in the NHL. And they're also guys that can play against top lines. Um, and with Jonathan now, it, it seems like there's been more chemistry between Elias and and Sharon. Um, and they're starting to make plays and control the play a little bit more as well. So without a doubt, both guys have seen an uptick in their play. We heard from the players about wanting to stay in the moment ahead of this homestand, yeah. but what in your mind happened tonight in order for you guys to start this homestand on the front foot? It's The focus is solely on Arizona. I think that's it. I, I mean, we want to find and 
consistency in the game and make sure that from shift to shift, face-off to face-off, however you want to put it, um, we're ready for it. And that's the biggest thing for us. So we have to set the um, the pace of the game tonight. We have to set the style of the way the game's going to be played tonight. So it's important that our guys do a good job of preparing over the afternoon and then focusing when they're here. So it's it's the day that's right in front of us, and today it's Arizona. What would you like the identity of the fourth line to be? Um, you always want your fourth line to be a line that y you trust when they're on their, on the ice. They're not on for chances against, and they're more specifically not on for goals against. That's one important thing. So if you flip that around, you want them to be a line that sets up the other line. So that means they're going to be hard guys to play against. They're going to play in the offensive zone, and they're going to create a lot of turnovers, force a lot of mistakes on opposing defensemen. Were you able to isolate? I mean, I know it's one game at a time, but six six games at home, then a break. Were you able to isolate these games at all and sort of emphasize? One game. That's it. That's it. That's all we're doing. We're a one-game team right now. There you go. Checking in with the head coach, Ryan Huska, on a game day. The latest on Jacob Markstrom just not responding to the, a little bit of a lower body injury, quite how they had hoped. So he will sit out tonight's game. Dan Vladar will get the start in goal. Lots there with the head coach as we check in on a game day. And it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds, the energy, the vibes, whatever words you want to use for it. Um, we're strong uh, the last couple of games. Obviously, the dads and the mentors being on the trip was a big thing. They were in town last Tuesday when the Ottawa Senators rolled in and helped bring some energy to a group that is in the middle of a tough stretch of their schedule that's not going to happen tonight. You're not going to have the dads. You're not going to have the mentors in the locker room to fire the group up before. I'm very curious how this Flames team responds in a very key game. The two games above 500. You're starting a six-game homestand against an opponent that you're battling with for position in the Western Conference race for a wild card spot. How do you get up for a game like this if you're the Calgary Flames? How do you generate some of that emotion, some of that energy. The Arizona Coyotes, with all due respect, are not the biggest draw. They're not the Saturday night opponent um, that's coming up in the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs, where you know the building's going to be buzzing. How do you manufacture a strong start if you're the Calgary Flames? How do you turn that you know, good momentum that you've had over the last three games into another solid game here to kick off a six-game uh, homestand. Excuse me. I think that's something to watch for uh, tonight if you're the Calgary Flames and trying to bring that dad energy, the brother energy, the grandpa, the, all of that um, over the next six games is going to be very key for the Calgary Flames. Let's continue to check in on a game day. Uh, check in with defenseman Noah Hannafin. Uh, of course, he is one of the UFAs in the spotlight right now for the team, but... Uh, Playing well, playing some of his best hockey this season right now. Uh, had to move some pairings around over the last couple of games. He spent time with Chris Tanev. He spent time with other guys, but continues to be a force out there and a guy that Ryan Huska tries, uh, trusts on a nightly basis. I'll check in with Flames defenseman Noah Hannafin on a game day. You just uh, faced this team a couple of days ago. Does anything change for the, the approach that your group, the way you guys kind of jumped on them early? I would imagine that it has to stay the same, but you know they're going to be a little bit different this time around. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think we all expect it to be a competitive game tonight, just based off the standings and the game last week and stuff like that. You know, uh, it's good to be home for the next six games here, and uh, it's a good opportunity just to start off on the right foot. So just got to come out and, uh, you know, have a good first period, which is always important after a road trip, and, and uh, just get after it. 
Hey, Jacob Markstrom's been your MVP of the season. I think that's fair to say. Uh, and you have faith in all the other goalies that are here, but just how do you guys kind of rally around that and, and make sure that you guys don't skip a beat when you're playing as well as you are? Yeah, we just got to play, you know, real tight defensively. And we have, you know, we have a lot of confidence in all the goalies here. You know, I think uh, Vladdy's going, I think, which is uh, known. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, uh, he'll be great for us tonight. And just, uh, we just got to control what we can, just play good in front of him and uh, not give up too many grade A chances against, uh, you know, a good, skilled offensive team over there. How, uh, is it a little bit different switching from goalie to goalie, whether it's reads behind the net or things like that? No? Not not too much. I mean, I think every goalie kind of has their own style um, and the way they play the game a bit, but I think uh, it doesn't change the, you know, the way the team plays at all, really. Can it set a team back in any way when you, you kind of have a player of his magnitude go out and you don't know it may not be too long, but just the idea of you know knowing that he's out of the lineup, can that kind of deal a blow to you guys, or can you use that to your advantage? No, I mean, I think I think we definitely know what a huge piece, an important piece of the team he is. I mean, he's uh, he's been unbelievable for us this year. And uh, anytime you know it's uh, he's out with an injury, you hope it's not too long, just because of how important of a player he is for the team. But I think it's a good opportunity just for us to step up our game and everybody just to play a little bit better and, and play a little bit harder and and. Uh, and do what we can just get the win. No, you guys have a chance to win four in a row, which you haven't done yet this year. I know you've talked a lot about playing consistent. Um, are winning streaks overrated? Is that on your mind? No, I think it's important. I think anytime you can, uh, I think what's more important is just the way you're playing. Um, and I think uh, we've been playing really good hockey, and I think just getting points uh, is a good addition to that. And I think uh, coming home just for this long, you know, road, uh, I mean, home stand before the break, I think just get off on the right foot tonight would be huge for us. So um, definitely looking forward to continuing that streak. Noah Hannafin, the Flames defenseman, checking in on a game day. And yeah, as you heard in that scrum, chance for the Flames to go on their first four-game winning streak of their season. And as Noah mentioned, it's, yeah, it's maybe not the biggest thing, but it would sure be nice for this group to go on an extending winning streak and perhaps leave some space in between them and, say, St. Louis or Minnesota, who've kind of struggled over the last couple of games. And uh, yeah, potentially create even more space against a team like Arizona, who still has games in hand uh, on you and is still trying to uh, get where you're going to right now and trying to chase down that final wild card spot. Good news for the Flames heading into tonight's matchup. They've had lots of success against the Arizona Coyotes of late. They've got points in nine straight versus the Coyotes with an 8 one record. They've scored 43 goals in those nine games. They've only given up 20 the power play, while well, it's been dismal um, this season, strong against Arizona, uh, going back in these last nine meetings, 35.7%. Power, power play's been strong. Penalty kill's been strong at 87.5%, and a team save percentage of 919. But the Coyotes will be feeling good about themselves. They won 6 nothing on Saturday against the uh, Minnesota Wild. That was their sixth shutout of the season. They haven't had six shutouts in a season since the 2018-2019 season. So the Coyotes feeling good about themselves heading into this rematch with the Calgary Flames. One more to check in with from the locker room. It's Connor Zeri coming off the dad's trip. He played a key role, setting up the Nazem Kadri goal in Las Vegas. He's been a great surprise for the Flames this season, but to continue it tonight in an important game against the Arizona Coyotes. We just saw this team uh, a few days ago, and you pounced right on them. I would imagine the blueprint for this game from your end has to stay the same. Yeah, I think it, it's it's got to stay almost exactly uh, to that picture. I think uh, we, we came with them really hard when we were in Arizona last week, and I think we want to do the same thing. Obviously, 
we know they're going to want to come in and, and not take us lightly, obviously, because of what happened last week. But I think we'll be ready. I think we're feeling good about our game, feeling confident. So uh, it'll be a good one tonight. No Jacob Markstrom, but I know you guys have complete confidence in uh, the goalies that are here. Uh, just a, a thought on, on losing the goaltender who's been your MVP and, uh, and trying to rally around that. Yeah, obviously, Mark, he's been unbelievable for us all season. He's, he's one of the best goalies in the league for a reason, and, and, and he's been so good. But having Vladdy come in, he's, he's an unbelievable goalie as well. So uh, nothing really changes, right? We have confidence in whoever is behind us, and, and we know we have to just play to our same structure and, and, and play our game, and everything's going to be fine, and Vladdy's going to be there for us. So um, at the end of the day, nothing nothing really changes for us. I know you guys take it one game at a time, but when you have sort of a half dozen games and then an all-star break, are you guys able to isolate the stretch and be like, hey, go hard? 100%, yeah, it's uh, it's one of the most consistent two-week stretches over the whole season here. We play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, all at home. So I think for us it's going to be huge to kind of just try and take it one game at a one game at a time, not not really look at the big picture six games because that can kind of get daunting, especially when everything's at home. You don't really have anything breaking up. So I think we just take it kind of one day, one skate at a time is, is how we just look at it and, and uh, go from there. How have you been able to manage the, the hype around your performance? People are talking talking about you as like a rookie of the year candidate Connor how do you manage all that noise or yeah for me it's just it's whatever I, I don't really care it's just coming to the rink and, and having fun and, and playing hockey I think you see those things you hear those things and, and you kind of don't really look twice at it it's just like whatever that's that's not going to happen so you just come and play hockey so is, is there a party that does kind of start dancing around like Ricky Calder candidate type of thing or uh, same kind of thing I think same, same thing for me it's just coming in and playing hockey I don't think that that matters too much to to me I'm just you know it's every day is kind of uh, lucky to just be in the NHL and, and kind of playing day in and day out so that's kind of what I focus on what about the uh, Connor McZerry nickname <laughs> Uh, it's it's all right. I, that's what Marky likes to call me some days, but um, it, it's funny. It is what it is. Obviously, um, it's just just a nickname. That's really all. When you do have six games at home, you mentioned it's two weeks. There's a routine here. Like, what's the best part about it? Is it going grocery shopping? Like, is it just like living <laughs> yeah. normal life? Yeah, I think it's just that that day to day consistency. You know, you you get to bed at, even when I, you have a game, eleven thirty, twelve. So. Uh, I think that's that's the biggest part is is staying consistent throughout your whole routine, your your body, your mind. It's it makes things a little bit simpler and a, and a little bit easier, and it's always nice to to play in front of a home crowd day in day out. There you go, Flames rookie Connor Zary, the last member of the Flames to check in on a game day. We we'll bring you the latest uh, Flames audio right here on Sportsnet today. Uh, every single day that we uh, we get Flames audio, you get it here first. Um, heard from Zary, Hannafin, and Huska on this Flames game day against the Arizona Coyotes. I uh, did want to also let you know uh, it's been a busy day in the NHL. Uh, this just coming down a few moments ago. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights announcing that Jack Eichel has undergone uh, some successful surgery and is out week to week. That's uh, big news from uh, Vegas. The Flames, of course, just walking through there uh, on Saturday. Lower body surgery out week to week. That uh, the latest from the Vegas Golden Knights. Busy night in the NHL schedule as well. Eight games to get you to, including the Flames and the Coyotes. It all gets going at 5 o'clock tonight with the Rangers hosting the Seattle Kraken. Ottawa hosts Colorado. It's Washington and Anaheim from the U.S. Capitol. 6 o'clock start between the Stars and the Kings. Winnipeg hosts the New York Islanders. Chicago and San Jose in a battle of two of the worst teams 
in NHL history. Uh, Sportsnet 1's got you covered with the Flames and the Coyotes at 7 o'clock because the rest of Sportsnet, uh, Sportsnet West is going to have the Edmonton Oilers welcoming in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oilers have won 10 in a row. We'll see the Leafs in here on Thursday as part of this six-game homestand for the Calgary Flames. So both Alberta teams in action at 7 o'clock tonight uh, as they uh, welcome in Arizona and Toronto, respectively. A couple of texts on the fan feedback line to get to. Uh, this one from our pal Matt and Cochran. You can text us as well at 960-960. Matt and Cochran telling you, uh, Husker calls Yegor Sharon, and all I can think of is Ozzy yelling Sharon. Yeah, we, we kind of do that, me and Pat, uh, in the uh, in the press box as well with the Sharky Sharon uh, nicknames that Sharon go, which has gotten this year. And uh, this text says, Jacob had a moment in the last game where it looked like he strained something. I didn't see anything. Um, in the last game, but I do, I do have to go back and wonder uh, because Husky Husky didn't really mention uh, at least today if it was a practice thing, if it was a a game thing where Jacob might have suffered this lower body injury. Certainly didn't sound worried about it, and I mean, why would you be? You've got three capable NHL goaltenders. It is, of course, disappointing because Jacob's played so damn well this year and was so good coming off of that finger injury. You don't want to see your starting goaltender. Um, go down at any point, but uh, the good news for the Calgary Flames, they've got two capable goaltenders. They'll go with Dan Vladar tonight. Uh, Connor Ingram's going to go in the other side for Arizona after uh, Carl Vamelka didn't exactly get it done uh, last time out uh, when they were in Arizona. A little bit of NFL news to share with you, too, uh, before we move on to our next segment. Uh, sounds like Jason Kelsey is going to be retiring after 13 seasons in the NFL. The Eagles... Center very emotional as uh, their season came to an end on Monday Night Football and a loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the New Orleans Saints have fired their offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael. Uh, he's been the Saints OC since 2009 and part of their coaching staff since 2000. Um, he came to the Saints back when uh, Sean Payton was the team's quarterback's coach, promoted three years later. Uh, Carmichael retained the position when Payton stepped down in 2021, and Dennis Allen took over. But uh, after a disappointing season for the Saints, they have moved on from their longtime offensive coordinator. So that's uh, the latest out of the NFL. We do have our matchups set for next weekend. It's Houston taking on Baltimore on Saturday. Green Bay is in San Fran to take on the 49ers. Sunday afternoon, Bucks and Lions. And then the Chiefs will travel to Snowy Buffalo to take on the Bills. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, Sportsnet, your new home for the UFC in Canada. And we've got a card coming up this weekend, UFC 297 in Toronto. Nine Canadians on the card, including Brad Katona. He's a winner of the Ultimate Fighter. He's got a matchup on the preliminary card. We'll chat with Brad about his upcoming fight next when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. UFC 297 takes place this Saturday from Toronto. Nine Canadians on the card defending home turf, including our next guest, Brad Katona, who joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Brad, thanks for the time today, sir. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, appreciate the time this afternoon. Uh, your second fight back in the UFC uh, since being cut. How does it feel back uh, and getting ready for a card on Saturday? 
Oh, it uh, it, it feels really good. It's uh, it's great to be back home, back in Canada as well as the UFC. You know, it's always felt like home. Fight week here is just, you know, just it's great. Like they, they look after you so well. Everything's so smooth, and it's just, uh, you know, it, it's good to be back. How's training camp been? It's always uh, I know it's always a grind. I know it's always a, a process getting ready for a fight. But how's camp been for you so far? Camp's been. Uh, it went it went really really well you know well I, I've known about this fight for a long time so we were able to plan far out really, really peak for it and then uh, you know there, there's benefits and, and and weaknesses to fighting after Christmas yeah on one hand you miss out a little bit you know I all my family's in Canada and I train in Dublin Ireland so I didn't get to see them but the benefit of it is one you can celebrate afterwards, which is which is always nice. I get a second Christmas, but okay. it also adds like a, a little break right before uh, a couple of weeks out from the fight, which is nice just to kind of check out and, and and be normal for a couple of days. Uh, what's uh, camping like and getting ready for your opponent, Garrett Armfield? I know uh, I'm not asking you to share any secrets at a camp or anything that you're uh, getting ready to use, but uh, what have you been paying attention to? What have kind of been the focuses of camp as you get ready to take on Garrett? You know, no, number one, it's just motivating myself. You know, you know, you can worry about the opponent a lot, and and, and we have especially prepared for Garrett. You know, we we have we we've taken a look at you know all of his fights and and see the tendencies. You can't necessarily predict what's going to happen, but tendencies are a really good uh, thing to be working for. How, how does he normally start? At, and and listen, if he changes something. That's fine. Like if if he comes out and he switches his stance and he shoots for a takedown right away, that's that would be unexpected. But you know we're prepared there. But you know he's he's a wrestler who's who's learned to strike and seems to really like uh, like striking as, as well as starting very hard in the first round. The the only difficult part there for him is I'm a step up from a lot of the guys he's faced, so I don't plan on on being put away easily. And and he's going to have to be there for 15 minutes. So it's uh, I think he has a tough challenge ahead of him. I obviously the UFC bantamweight division is really stacked right now. So yeah. if it wasn't him, you know who who else would it be? It would be another killer. So it's it's, <laughs> uh, it's a good time to be in the division, and I'm looking at riding this to the top. Uh, you're uh, one of the many UFC fighters that have had an experience on the Ultimate Fighter. You won season 27. Uh, just for our listeners, what was that experience like for you, uh, getting coached by one of the greats in the a couple of greats in the business, and I guess just the experience of the Ultimate Fighter as a whole, Brad. You know, the Ultimate Fighter is uh, it's first off, it's surreal at first because. I don't know. Here I am, a kid from Winnipeg, and I'm like, I'm on reality TV. Like, I, <laughs> I wake up and there's cameras everywhere looking at me. You, you live in a mansion, although it's with uh, 15 other fighters, so it, it might sound good. But you know, <laughs> when you're surrounded by that many other other fighters, it's, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it can be stressful. And you know, it's the first time I did it because I I've had the luxury of doing it twice the first time i did it was it was all surreal it was very cool you know you i I really enjoyed it i also did a weight class up so i could enjoy some comforts of life a little bit more but uh this recent time doing it it was it it was a lot more difficult so you kind of contrast the first one with some novelty and excitement and but even after that first time i said that was really cool i'm so glad i did it i never want to do it again (laughs) after doing it for a second time i can certainly say you know what 
I'll pass on a third run. You know, I'll, I'll pass. I, I'm good only doing it uh, the twice. Uh, like I mentioned, you get the opportunity on that Ultimate Fire to have two of the most recognizable faces in the UFC be around you. Uh, of course, McGregor and, and Michael Chandler are two well-known guys. What's it like being around a guy like Conor McGregor and what kind of uh, atmosphere does he bring as a guy that's trying to coach you and, and get the best out of you guys? You know, he brings he brings intensity. You know, like he, it, it's at least how I feel. Connor's a teammate of mine back in SPG Island. Uh, yeah. I want to say back home, but it's, it's, it's not home. <laughs> it's, it's just where I, I, I live and train. Kansas is always going to be home. But uh, I, at least I feel, because I only know him so so well, is if he's going to do something, it's going to be done hyper-focused and to an extreme. It's going to be done very, very well. So, you know, for example, on his team, he brought in a nutritionist, strength and conditioning guys, uh, a, a chef for the fighters. He brought in a, a massive team of coaches. Everything he could possibly think that we would need or that he uses, he made it available to his, his fighters. And, and yes, he's, he's extremely successful and he's, he has many business ventures, but that all came out of his own pocket. You know, like it, 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 it's easy to pass it up. So he, he really gave us everything we possibly needed. And then when he coached, he was trying to share you know, how he thinks, how he approaches the sport. And for a guy who's captured, uh, well, was the first one to be the champ champ and, and win the title in two different divisions, you know, there's, he's an outlier. And there's a lot of value in hearing from outliers. And I imagine, you know, seeing all the aspects that go into it, you mentioned, you know, the nutritionist, all the different coaches, everything that goes into it. it it's a very expansive you know, uh, industry now when it comes to preparing for fights and preparing to be your best in the octagon, Brad. It's I think people maybe still associate the UFC as just, you know, working out on a day-to-day basis, but there's a lot that goes into it to be a, a successful fighter in the UFC now. Absolutely. You know, it's it's especially in the, I'd say in, in the past five years, you're starting to see sports science come on, come on into the fold, even before that, because I was in the UFC five years ago it, it, it's been probably a decade that you're really seeing uh sports science so with with george st pierre he's he's always seeked out uh experts in their craft not just trainers but for strength and conditioning and and now with the ufc performance institute having been open for a number of years they have nutritionists here fight week for us they have they have medical staff they have physiotherapists and and <laughs> sports scientists uh <laughs> just helping outline everything you can get testing done uh in vegas you know it's everything is exactly where it's moving in the directions of the other pro sports you know there, there wouldn't be an advantage an nhl athlete uh, isn't taking advantage of you'd be remiss if, if if you did and you know what is lebron james doing that's that's where we're going and, and that's the envelope the ufc is pushing so being part of an organization like that is is uh, is really nice. I'm, I'm grateful to be to be back here. Uh, Brad, you mentioned this is your second stint back in the UFC. Obviously, the Ultimate Fighter helped open the door to that. What did you learn, sort of in between your stops in the UFC? What did you focus on uh, as a fighter, and I guess even as a person, as you tried to to climb back into the ranks of the UFC? What was your your big focus, and what was that time like in your career? It was, it, it 
it was a very, very difficult time in my career. Uh, initially, I thought, okay, it'll be a couple years out, and and we'll, we'll work and and get back. But it just seemed I, I was succeeding outside the organization. I captured a, a world title. I defended it, and this is against some of the best fighters outside of the UFC. And I still wasn't getting the call back. So it was about a year ago. Well, it was probably my most unhappy in in the beginning of uh, of last year. Just because I I went on a full fight win streak, some fighters had gotten back doing less. I had beaten the best guys I could, and it just wasn't happening. So, just not getting the opportunity was driving me crazy, destroying my love for the sport really. Mm-hmm. And then I got the shot on the Ultimate Fighter, and, and the rest is history. But that whole process really hardened me, you know, as a person. I, I don't know if there's much that'll phase me now because have your dream taken away, but then it felt like it was just the universe was, was stopping you from achieving what you want to. You, you were being successful. You just weren't getting the opportunity, and it was it was painful. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult, but, man, it's, it's, it's created – it formed who I am today, and at, at this point, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my life, and, you know, back here fighting in a massive – pay-per-view card in Toronto it's it's uh you know it, it I'm just I'm grateful for it but but we're still hungry you yeah. know you're grateful but you're hungry for more yeah it, you know what Brad listening to you there it sounds like it's one of those things that were were hard but you're almost thankful for looking back on because it's helped you get where you want to go today and it's probably going to be something that you carry with you for the remainder of your career if I if I'm not mistaken right Absolutely, and and I just have to say, like the the first time I was in the UFC, it wasn't like I was taking this lightly. It wasn't, oh, I'm here now, I can kick the feet up. Yeah, I just and and even and, and even when I got released, I didn't change anything about my life radically. I I I stuck to the plan, and sometimes it's hard. To, you see people get released, and then they or or they, they lose a fight, and now they need to change teams. They need to like just rip up everything. It's like no, the playbook we had was working. I was getting better. I, I am building a better connection with my coaches. Now's not the time to rip it up. Just stick to it. And, and obviously we, you make changes along the ways, but, but the minor adjustments, it's not anything completely radical. And, you know, I feel like where we are now, it looks dramatically different to what we were doing <laughs> years ago, but it should, it should change as, as the fighter grows and develops and it's, it's been a process and I'm just grateful to have such a good team behind me who kept believing in me even when things weren't going super smooth. Uh, Brad, before I let you go, uh, what does Saturday look like uh, in your mind when it's all said and done against Garrett? You know, that Saturday really looks like the crowd screaming, be looking out around them and just soaking it all in and, 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 and being me. You know, I we, we, when I'm me, I'm I'm a really dangerous fighter. I, I I've I've been in some hard fights, so I have that card if I need to play it. But if I compete at what I'm capable of, this should be fairly smooth sailing. Not without challenges, but it should be fairly smooth. Not easy, but smooth. So it just looks. That's exactly what it looks like. Me, just being me. If we need to take some, you know, overcome some hurdles. Well, great. It'll make a good story, but. It, it just ends with, with the crowds screaming and me standing in the octagon with my hands raised and, and soaking it all in for, for a second time. 
Brad, really appreciate the time. I know fight week's a very busy one for you. I appreciate you carving some time out for us. Best of luck to you on Saturday. We'll be cheering for you out here in Calgary, pal. Uh, thank you. I'm just I'm just grateful to to be able to speak with everyone on the air. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. Take care. Good luck on Saturday. Uh, thank you very much. Take care. Brad Katona, Superman, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. He is on the card of UFC 297 coming up in Toronto. Strickland versus Duplessis coming up as the main event. Uh, Brad is going to be on the prelims, which you can see on Sportsnet as the new home of UFC in Canada. The prelims get going at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Brad and Garrett Armfield are your featured prelim. Uh, of course, Brad Katona winning the UFC. There's plenty of great fights. Looking forward to this card. Neil Magny's on the card. Of course, Sean Strickland uh, taking on uh, Dreesus Duplessis is a big fight uh, in the middleweight division. Uh, Shan, you were just telling me in the break, you're a big uh, UFC guy. you got to be excited about this one on Saturday. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it's going to be cool uh, in Toronto. I remember, the well, I wasn't really watching at this point, but the fight uh, where GSP fought at the Air Canada Centre, it's, it's, it's one of the cooler moments in uh, in, in UFC, let alone in, in, in the Canadian fighting industry. So, yeah, this is going to be a really fun card. I'm a big UFC guy, and uh, honestly, it's a great interview with Brad. I, I, I'm looking forward to cheering for him on Saturday. Yeah, Brad Katona is one of those guys that's really hard to hate. And, uh, look, I appreciate, you know, the honesty in that it was a hard time in between. You know, you got to think about when he was first in the UFC and then that break in between for a guy like that, Shannon how competitive it's gotten over the last couple of years, you know, to get back into the rotation with the UFC isn't easy. I mean, a loss or two for a guy that's, you know, just kind of on the cusp of being on a main card, that can change the the entire outlook of your of your career with that company because there's three or four guys behind you, it feels like, in every division. Maybe, I'm not going to say maybe not in heavy, but there's always great heavyweights coming up too. Uh, it, it really feels like, you know, every fight probably means that much more. Even if you're just on the prelim card, you can't really take anything for granted if you're these guys. Well, the UFC is driven by entertainment, obviously. And a lot of the guys with a big reputation, they can feel pretty secure. And Canadians in the UFC, definitely, they, they, they tend to get overlooked. So you're right. When you're, when you're kind of scraping at the bottom and you want to stay on the roster – your next fight, if if you're at the bottom, you lose. There's a pretty much a fifty fifty chance you're off the roster. So, and yeah, like you mentioned, he was on a four fight win streak, and yeah, he felt that he was better than a lot of the guys that were getting put back on the roster. And um, I I've been super happy with the the Canadians and and how they performed in the UFC, especially over the last year. It's something you'd see a Canadian there, uh, typically, typically at the bottom of that roster. And, um, it's good to see. I think this this fight in Toronto is going to be massive for uh, Canadian UFC fighters. It's I, I think back to the World Cup that we just saw the the soccer World Cup and Canada playing. Like you're going to see a huge wave of soccer players in Canada now because when you get that exposure and you get to to host uh, or, or or to you know play at the national level and um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really excited for for Brad's fight and I just think the. I want to call it the ACC. It's not that, but Toronto's going to be a rocking place. It is, and I hope that this is just the beginning of of more cards on the UFC calendar in Canada. Calgary was supposed to have one last year, but it was. Just, I know we were uh, we're going to make the playoffs, or we're not going to make the playoffs. We got to keep the dates open. I and, was so excited for that, man. Uh, and you know what? And that's the 
the bad thing about it is it shouldn't be like a you shouldn't have to have that feeling. Like I, to me, it's crazy that the UFC isn't in Calgary or Vancouver or Toronto like once or twice a year. Like the the amount of excitement that when that announcement came out, and your guys like yourself and Pike and all these other guys that I know, Klein, um, that you know love the UFC and want an opportunity. You don't have to travel to Toronto or go down south to go see a fight. It was crazy. The tickets were going to be gone in a heartbeat here, and I, I really I dislike that it's such a you know two or three year type thing, or that it's such a big thing. And look, I know we're running ads right now, and Dana, you know, we're making our return to Toronto. It shouldn't be a big like build up to being back in Toronto. This should be a regular occurrence on the UFC calendar. And but that that comes with with how many Canadian fighters we're starting to see now. So sure. I'm expecting to see a little more, not necessarily in Calgary, but you're right. This place was going to sell out the dome for that. And I was, I was getting ready to buy tickets because, and I, I really didn't care about the cost. I wanted to go. I wanted to see that in my city. It's been, I, I don't know when the didn't last time care I was about here. the card. No, exactly. It doesn't matter. You just, you're watching some, some prime entertainment and yeah, you know what? I, I can understand the people that, that, don't support fighting. I understand that these guys are so technically sound. It, it is. It, it's an art watching these guys fight. So uh, next next time it's in it's in Calgary. I promise you, I'll be there. And even the one in Vancouver, I wish could could have gone to that. But I, I could see Edmonton hosting one with their new building. It's. I, I hope it comes to uh, to our province at least soon. Yeah, hopefully before the new buildings uh, done here in Calgary, and hopefully the new building in Calgary means more things like. Fights. Uh, UFC events, right? And yeah. uh, by the way, that main card on Saturday, headlined by Strickland and Duplessis. Um, not that I could compete with any fighter in in any way, shape, or form, but Sean, uh, Shan, Sean Strickland is near the top of my list <laughs> of dudes I do not want to fight. That guy is next level, like insane in my books. Yeah. And has like a weird passion and love for just punching other people in the face. <laughs> like, again, I'm not saying I could compete with any fighter because I couldn't. Yeah. The smallest featherweight bantamweight could kick my ass. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not trying to compare about that. But I'm just saying, if I had to make a list of guys that I really, really, really wouldn't want to have anything to do with, in the UFC, mm-hmm. Sean Strickland might might be at the top of the list. That guy is is nuts. You you look at some of the top fighters that you've ever seen in the UFC. You don't look at them with all due respect to them. Don't hit me. Is they're not normal people. You can't be a normal person to to go be a fighter, and you cannot. You have to be born to fight if you want to make it to the top. You look at a guy like Sean Strickland. That that dude has been street fighting since he was a kid, and you look at a guy like Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is a freak, and that's because I mean he spent his time in in Stockton just beating just people, fighting from, people. When he's like yeah, twelve <laughs> years old. But I, these guys, man, it, it's it's a complete different different mentality you need to have. It's something that none of us will ever understand. And I truthfully think it's something that you know you can you can train hockey, you can train basketball, and obviously you got to have the the mind for it. Fighting is something you either have it or you don't. Well, and I remember too, I I believe this is correct. If not. I'm sure Pat or somebody else will correct me. I believe Brian McGratton for a couple of years during his time here in Calgary spent his off seasons training in MMA. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, first of all, 
in, in, in scary human being as it is, but like you know, other sports and other guys start to take notice of how these guys are doing things. And if you're Brian McGratton, and I know the era of the tough guys kind of gone past us in the NHL, but like, oh, Brian McGratton's just learning MMA now. And we've seen, we've seen former athletes, we've seen former football players and uh, former pro wrestlers jump into the UFC and, and have success. It's kind of a, an interesting juxtaposition for for some guys to to keep that skill set going. It hasn't been the most successful for all of those guys. Lesnar's probably the most successful. Yeah. But it's it's interesting to see. And as Brad mentioned, it's it's growing and it's nutritionists and it's coaches and it's therapists and all this sort of stuff now. And it was never like that when like Chuck Liddell was was the face of the UFC. That they didn't have any of that kind of stuff. They didn't really have rules back then. I, I've gone through some of the old the old fight cards. I remember watching a lot of the, the from the first UFC. That was barbaric. That was almost <laughs> like like you're you're a gladiator in Rome. That was different. Um, yeah, th- these guys these guys are built different. But it's it's honestly I, I I didn't watch a whole lot of UFC. I'd say you know seven years ago, and, and yeah. I I watched I worked with a guy who was obsessed with it. And I'm like, all right, you know what? I'll bite. I'll watch. And he explained everything to me very well. And slowly, you know, you, you start to watch. And I'm like. It, one you you move a centimeter the wrong way and you're done. That yeah. that's the crazy thing to me. It's yeah. Uh, and going back to what, what you're talking about, former athletes. This might be some underground knowledge, but James Johnson on the Raptors, or formerly on the Raptors, when he used to stand on business with everyone, he's got like a twenty and zero professional fighting record. He could have gone. He could have probably been fighting the UFC at some point. He's just like, well, the NBA makes a little hmm. more money, but yeah, twenty and zero, something like that. It's, these guys are. I mean, he he's also a fighter, so it checks out. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, UFC 297 uh, goes down in Toronto this Saturday, January 20th, headlined by Sean Strickland and Tracis Duplessis. Uh, our guy Brad Katona is on the prelim card, which you can catch on Sportsnet, which is your new home of the UFC in Canada. Appreciate Claudia from Sportsnet helping us set up that interview and appreciate Brad taking some time for us on Fight Week to join us here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, a couple of the text came in during that uh, interview with Brad nine six zero nine six zero, where you're always welcome to chime in on the program. Uh, so it says, "What a great interview with Brad! Thanks, Logan, for covering more MMA now that it's on Sportsnet." Uh, and this text says, "It's a sport where people train to beat each other up for money. Of course, they're all weird. Yeah, it's it's like goalies in a different way, right? You got to be a little weird to to play the position. And yeah, I think same probably happens for fighters. To uh, you've got to be." A little bit of a different cat to, to do that as your profession. But I uh, appreciate Brad joining us again uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline, if you're a UFC fan, make sure you check out UFC 297 uh, this weekend in Toronto. Should be a good one. And as Shan said, hopefully we're talking about a card in Calgary uh, sooner than later. Uh, always check in, too, with our pal Sean Merriman. He's doing MMA stuff uh, for Lights Out. Uh, the former NFL All-Pro linebacker started his own mixed martial arts company as well. So... Uh, it's a growing industry, and we're definitely going to be covering more of it as it uh, becomes a more prominent feature on Sportsnet Television going forward. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back on the other side. Very excited to chat uh, next with uh, Stampeders linebacker Cam Judge. He just needs an extension with the Stampeders to remain in the red and white uh, ahead of free agency uh, starting next month in the CFL. He formed a dynamic duo with Micah Alway. We'll check in with the Calgary Stampeders linebacker coming up next. Plus, we'll continue to get you set. For the Flames and the Coyotes, it's a Flames game day 
And it's uh, coming your way in a little bit here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.